Abundance of love, abundance of grace, down to that cross, you took my place, oh God, you take my ransom, my ransom, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Psalm 50, verse 14, God's Word says, Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God is available to the thankful. Pray with me. God, thank you for being available to us. Thank you for being a good and loving father. God, I pray that you'd anoint me today to say things that would honor you. Lord, I ask you to give us ears to hear what the Spirit says in this place today. Lord, as we look to your word, we pray that you'd teach us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This is incredible news that if you don't get anything else out of the message today, at least get the title, God is available to the thankful. No matter what's going on in the world, God is still on the throne. Amen? No matter what's happening in your personal life, not only is God on the throne, but he's available to a specific type of person, and that person is the thankful. Coming through this last week, uh, you know, in America, we don't just have holidays. We have holiday weekends or holiday weeks. Um, don't, don't they give kids off the whole week now? Or they just get off Thursday and Friday? Whole week? Man, we, we got off Thursday. They're just making everything too easy. See, that's from rich folk. Yeah, because they got to make that money. <laughs> they told me my kids were missing too much school, and I went down there, and they called me in. And I said, my kids are on A.B. Honor Roll. What do you mean they're missing too much school? And they find, they, after the, it had been every year they were calling me in, like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and they finally it just opened up and admitted to me. They said, Mr. Becker, if you could just get them here before you go on a trip somewhere, for first period because our budget is set on attendance that's taken in first period. They're free to leave. I'm like, oh, that's why you want my kids there. They get paid by the day, and it gets taken by attendance. But anyway, we turned Thanksgiving in Clay County into a week and Duval into two days. In America, we don't just take a holiday. We either have a holiday weekend or we have a holiday week. But hopefully you spent some time thanking God during this past week for all that he's done. I've been telling you for months now that the outrage that we see on the television and on social media and on the Internet is wildly manipulated by the media, especially in regard to these wars. I was telling you guys for months that I'm so tired of seeing, and I'm so glad God answered my prayer. I didn't want to see any more church signs saying pray for Ukraine. Not that I'm not praying for Ukraine. I pray for Ukraine. I pray for Russia too. 
I, you're like, well, Russia's the bad guys and Ukraine is the good guys. Listen, they're both communist regimes. They're both godless countries. They're both corrupt. They've they both been taken from us forever. But my thought was never against Ukraine or never against Russia, not one for one over the other. If I had to pick, I'd pick Ukraine because, you know, Russia's been, you know, more outwardly uh, against us. But how are we so easily manipulated that almost every sign I passed for months said pray for Ukraine when I'm thinking about, what about pray for people in Duval? What about pray, pray for Jacksonville? What about pray for the metro Jacksonville area? We're so easily manipulated into saying, oh, we, we've got to send all our money to the Ukraine. Listen, I am not for sending another dollar to another war outside of America. Tell everybody I said so. If they don't like that, they need to look around and see what's going on in America. We're spending hundreds of billions of dollars supporting these wars that we have nothing to do with. And then as, as that started to die down, because you can only fake rage for so long. All these social justice warriors, all, all, all these people virtue signaling, uh, stop the war in such a, that, that, they don't really care. The media wound them up. Listen, if they cared, they'd still be holding signs for Ukraine. So, you know, another war had to come along between Israel and Hamas, and it's just wild. Now, there's an obvious good side and a bad side there. You see, Hamas, uh, Israel's not at war with the Palestinian people. Israel's at war with the terrorist organization Hamas. But because the media winds people up, we've got all these people. Uh, free Palestine. Free. Listen, Palestine's been free since 2005. Israel left the Gaza Strip in 2005. There's not one Jew living in the Gaza Strip. This all a media hype show. Uh, your, your TV doesn't tell it that way. Do some research. Don't be a puppet. And this fake outrage is, is so ridiculous that people are saying they, they don't have hostages. How are they now finally freeing hostages right now, including toddlers and babies and women and civilians? Hamas giving back. A couple of Americans they gave back. We should have bombed that country for stealing Americans to kidnapping Americans. Oh, y'all don't want to hear about that. I'm not, I'm not going to stay on this war bit, but I told y'all a couple of weeks ago it's all fake rage because if people really cared about humanitarian issues, if people really cared about lives being hurt, if people really cared about oppression and, and, and genocide, I listed for you on the screen 13 different wars going on right now around the world, most of them in African countries that nobody cares about. How can you say that it hurts you to see people being oppressed? How can you say that it hurts you to see people being killed and people being mistreated when right now the longest reigning battle going on right now is the ethnic genocide going on in the Sudan where Arabs are raiding villages all over the Sudan and here's their set goal and they set it and they're doing it every day. They're killing every black man they find, and they're raping every black woman, regardless of age, in every village that they go and just wipe out and destroy. Well, America's the police of the world. Well, I guess not in Sudan. Where's the rage 
for that. Well, that's dark-skinned brown people on black people, and Americans just can't even fake anger for that. That's why we still haven't done anything about the Chicago issue. I promise you this. You let one drug addict who's been arrested 37 times resist arrest today get shot in the head by a police officer on the job and America be rioting in the streets. But every week a dozen people get cut down in Chicago, babies in strollers, babies shot through windows in their cribs, and, and we just sit back and say, well, you know. I asked black, I got this, this answer from several black pastors. Why are you rioting? Why are you propelling your people to march over all these non-American issues, but y'all say nothing about Chicago? And I got this same answer, and it cut me to my soul, and they should be ashamed. Well, you know how we do each other. <laughs> black killing black. That, that, that. Well, we can't, we, we can't even fake rage about that in America. We can't, we can't even fake rage about Arabs killing uh, thousands and raping hundreds of thousands, dis, dis, uh, pushing people out of their homes. Over 100,000 people in the Sudan have been pushed out of their homes in the last couple of years. And is it on your news channel? Well, you can search it, and you can find it and see if the Arabs aren't killing people in the Sudan and raping children. They finally put one of them on the news. They had a mother, uh, uh, no, they had a woman and her sister, she was 20, and her sister was 12, and they said the rape lasted so long and was so brutal with so many different men that neither one of them were able to stand on their feet for days. And we're faking rage about a country in the, called Ukraine that we can't find on a map. Do you see how the, something's amiss? So, we're, we're being tweaked up. And we're being manipulated by the media. We got our own trouble in America. Can somebody say amen? We don't have to. See, we, we, we got ministries all around the world. These banners aren't just colorful. These are friends of ours. These are partners of ours. These are people we send money to every month out of this offering plate to help advance the kingdom of God all around the world in very difficult places. But we don't have to send money to the leper colony that we support in India to find hungry, hurting people. We've got those right here in Jacksonville. We, we, don't, we don't have to go to Nicaragua in, in a war-torn community of civil unrest to find problems with the local politics. We've got that right here in America. Just in the past three years, we, we've seen gas go from $1.87 to anywhere between 3 and 5 $6, $7 right now uh, in, in certain places in America, $15 in certain places in Europe. The, the, the crisis is all around. Mortgage rates gone from 2% to over 8%. We already were under a, a, a curse of the millennials who can't find a way to move out of their homes, get real jobs, and buy their own houses. It's been estimated that the millennials, that's people from like, I don't know, 30 or 40-year-old people that will never be able to buy a home. They say that less than 40% of millennials will ever be able to own their own home because they're the first generation in American history that is not expected to out 
gain their parents economically. We, we got all types of, now you go ahead and you put a mortgage rate all the way up to 8%. That means a house right now, three years ago, the house that you could have afforded at, at $200,000 would now cost you more than a $600,000 house. I look at the rent around. How many of y'all have seen this house right across the street, right out from our ditch? They want $1,398 to rent that tiny little house that don't have a piece of grass on the property. People are, it's just, it's wild, y'all. It, America is in trouble. Somebody ought to say amen. Because when they're asking $1,400 to rent out a shack on Georgetown Drive, I'm going to tell you something. That's trouble. I'm up here late at night a lot. Uh, how, how many of y'all, we, we don't have very many people that live in this neighborhood, but how many of y'all from around here know when I'm up here at midnight, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, it ain't unusual to hear gunshots and loud noises and sirens going around up and down these streets. We got enough trouble in America to, for us not to have to let the news wind us up over two wars as if that's the biggest thing that's going on in the world where there's more humanitarian crisis going on in the Sudan than any other country on the planet. The majority of Americans can't find the Sudan on a map. The majority of Americans think Africa's a country. Africa's not a country. What is Africa, church? It's a continent. Lots of countries. But you know what? America's got plenty of big trouble on its own. Car loans. Just three years ago, every manufacturer of cars was giving away cars at 0% interest up to 72 months. Well, if you didn't jump on that and you waited till the the last three years, you got hammered. Do you know car loans? I looked. Hey, you can verify these stats. I'm not making any of this up. It's all readily, easily available to be found. Do you know car loans right now? If you don't have a credit score above 725, you're going to be paying double-digit car loans. Double-digit car loans. People paying 22% to buy a new car. And the average price of a car is over 45000 Who in the world can afford? I've never owned a $45,000 car in my life, and I'm a millionaire. Who can afford these cars? That's on paper. I don't have, if I had a million dollars in my pocket, y'all would probably be, be bum-rushing me right now to take it. America is in trouble. Somebody say trouble. Crime's out of control. Depression's affecting more people than ever. They got pills for everything. Big farmers just running the country. We got people taking pills to wake up, people taking pills to go to sleep. Listen, everybody thinks fentanyl is the drug that's killing everybody. I got, I got a news flash for you. I read at least 12 hours every day, seven days a week. I consume information at a high level. It's my job. That's what I enjoy. It's my hobby. I do it for work. I do it for fun. I don't do anything. I don't have hobbies outside my house. I enjoy consuming information in mass quantity. And I can tell you this, fentanyl is not what's killing everybody. 
Now, there is some people that just take fentanyl and fall over and die, but you do enough research. Look at some of these cities. Look at Portland. Look, look at California, any, any major city in California right now where Skid Row's got thousands of people sleeping on the street. You can watch interviews with people that do fentanyl every day. Let me, let me tell you what, what's killing people. When, when people take fentanyl and Xanax and Boost Bar and Hydrocodone and wash it down with six ounces of Jack Daniels, that's what's killing folk. What in the world would make somebody take alcohol that, that is going to slow their respiratory system down with all these painkillers that's going to slow their respiratory system down, and then they're going to blame it on the government letting fentanyl come across our borders. Man, we got issues, big issues, and people are walking around acting like, uh, you know, just another Tuesday. I read this this week. This, this ought to blow your wig back. According to the World Health Organization, who I don't believe in wholeheartedly because we saw how much they lied to us during COVID. Get the vaccination, you'll be all right. That wasn't true. Wear the mask, you'll be all right. Listen, I told y'all from the beginning, if you think that 11-cent sawdust mask that they sell at Home Depot to to carpenters is going to keep an airborne virus out of, of your system, you've lost your mind. I, I can tell you what, what doctors do because I saw it firsthand when Gail was sick. Gail got septic one time after an operation. Um, we went on our 10th wedding anniversary to stay at the Biltmore House in Asheville, North Carolina. We rented the Cecil Suite. It was like $3,000 a night. We checked in. She goes sick the whole ride up. She had to wheelchair her up into the room. She got sick all over the room. We didn't even unpack our bags. We went right to the hospital. She had an operation or she had some blockage in her intestines. She got septic. We had an infectious disease doctor. And, and this is why I'll never believe in them little sawdust. Those masks are for sawdust. Those, those little put over your ear like that right there. Uh, they gaps all over them. The infectious disease doctor, when he came in to see my wife, he looked like a spaceman. He had on a rubber suit with rubber boots, gloves up to his biceps. He had a helmet on, a hood over it, draped all the way down to his belt line. Hey, he was serious about not catching something. Letting the world manipulate us. But anyway, the World Health Organization, they ain't the Bible, amen? But they know some stuff. I read this this week. Oh, oh, over 3 million people die every year according to being fat. Obesity is an epidemic. I don't know how many of y'all seen that uh, thing making its rounds on social media. They, they showed, they called it an alarming look at high school physical education classes in the 60s in America. They showed all these boys out there, uh, no shirts on, uh, do, do, doing the, the across the bars like that, doing push-ups like they were Marines. Not one of them had an ounce of fat. I told my kids, you look in any yearbook I ever had, there were more, never more than three fat people in high school before the 80s. People played outside. Didn't eat candy all day long. Wasn't being poisoned by the government on bad food. Obesity is an epidemic right now. Obesity now is being listed 
as the primary cause for almost every other leading cause of death. I remember when Uncle Ken got COVID. He had, they, they carried him to the hospital in an ambulance. And this ain't the call you want to get from somebody that you care about. They, uh, they take, they, they're taking him to the hospital in, in the ambulance. He got COVID. They say he's got uh, COPD. Is that what they say? Call it COPD, and he's coughing up blood. And he's 130 years old. But then it dawned on me. He's skinny as a rail. This thing taking out fat folk. Uncle Ken probably going to make it. Listen to what they say. Obesity is a leading cause that, that is resulting in death in some of the leading causes of death in our country. This, this, this is primarily, this is having a, 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 a deathly effect on people with diabetes. It's causing heart disease, stroke. Uh, it's been linked to certain types of of cancer it's estimated that the united states government spends over 190 billion dollars a year treating fat folk all this fake rage you get these 99 percenters out there hating on rich folk you get them out there saying we could give money to the poor if they wouldn't build one more jet that costs 30 million dollars well if 30 million is a number to you, what about 190? If, if, if folk would just push back away from the ice cream bowl. Now, listen, I ain't mad at fat people. I've been fat most of my life. I didn't get this way working out in the gym. You can look at me and tell I like to eat. But what I'm trying to get you to see is there are troubles around us. Can somebody say amen? There's issues. Some of y'all are like, well, I'm skinny. I'm good looking. I'm in shape. Keep living. <laughs> One of these days, you, if, if, if you're a man, you're going to get that, that furniture disease. I'm looking around to see how many men caught that furniture disease. <laughs> that, you know, back in the day, we used to call what you put your clothes in a chest of what? Chest of drawers. Man gets old, he catches that chest, your chest fall down to your drawers. <laughs> Hey, better laugh at it. The Bible says laughter does a heart good like a medicine. But there are real issues. But the media doesn't let us focus on what real issues are. The media doesn't let us focus. Listen, we got all of the, all branches of the military except the Marines are woefully low of meeting their recruiting requirements to continue to have the right amount of people in the military. And instead of doing something like making a cool commercial of blowing up stuff like used to make people want to sign up, they, they, they're putting ads up about uh, uh, gender identity and ma- making the military take classes on identifying people by the proper pronoun. Listen, you put that man out there in the tank, he don't care if you call him anything. He wants bullets in the tank. The media just keeps pushing us in all the wrong directions so we won't see the real trouble. We, 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 got, we got the world telling us that the number one problem in the black community is white supremacy. Candace Owens, uh, you ought to check her out. I hope she's going to be the first female president in America. I vote for her today. I don't think she's old enough. But she's going to be the first 
female, the first black female president in America one day, if the Lord don't come back soon. But she goes to Congress all the time and battles their, their, their emotional diatribes with facts and tells them, as a black woman in America, she was making a list of problems in her community. White supremacy wouldn't make the top 100. She'd never met anybody with a hood or a sheet on, but she'd been around fatherless children her whole lives that didn't have fathers in the homes while men were out getting drunk, not taking care of their wives and children. But the media wants to just drive us into these tunnels so we never get better. They hide in plain sight what's going on in the world and act like we don't see it. So we get caught up, and people are putting their energy into the wrong thing. But let's look closer to home. Let's, let's get off all that stuff, and let's get down to us. Let's get down to you. How are you doing? How is your health? How is your mental health? How is your finances? How, how are your relationships? How are you doing in your mind? Trouble all around. Church attendance shrinking all across America. Poverty's rising and the middle class is disappearing. I've been hearing that middle class is disappearing story for a long time, so I've done a lot of study on it. I've done a lot of research on it. And you say, I, how does this apply to the Bible? It's all in the Bible. You're going to see it in just a minute. But people say that the middle class is shrinking because rich people don't pay enough taxes. And they leave all the taxes to be paid by the poor people. Let me go ahead and break some news because I'm tired of the media twisting minds of people that are easily led astray. Let, over 60% of Americans last year paid zero in taxes. Most, middle, most lower middle class and working class people pay nothing in taxes, and the top 10% of Americans pay over 85% of all the taxes there are. Hmm. See, they, they, they don't want you to be mad at the wasteful government that's taking our money and spending it in the wrong ways. They want us to be angry at rich folk as if they don't pay taxes when, when some of them, 70 cents out of every dollar they make goes right to the man. By the time you add up federal tax, state tax, unemployment tax, and Medicare and Medicaid. Here's the reality. We can't continue to take in millions and millions of people coming into this country that don't pay any taxes at all that take i already told you if i was poor i'd already be militant i'd already be i'd be on the border in texas i i'd be shouting them down they people come to this country on day one not legally they don't fill out the pay see i'm for immigration everybody came to this country from somewhere but most people came legally filled out the paperwork Waited in line, took their turn. President Obama said it's not fair to penalize people who are waiting in line to let others jump the line. And that's the truth. But these people, they come in illegally, they hand them a cell phone right out of the gate. They put them all on Social Security, give them all dental visits, all. Listen, I don't have it. I never had dental insurance in my life except when I was in the Army. And that wasn't insurance, they just had a dentist. messing with teeth in the army because you know he didn't think he was good enough to make it on the outside was my theory but giving all away all this money the mayor of new york has said it repeatedly and nobody will listen to him now here the mayor of new york several years ago or up until eight months ago was telling everyone there's no immigration crisis new york city is a sanctuary city let all the immigrants come to new york well be careful what you ask for because now that they've set 
several thousand people to New York. The mayor of New York continues to say this, and he's not wrong. This is unsustainable. This will be the end of New York City as we know it. And what do you think happens? Well, what do you think happens when they stop sending 100,000 people to New York City and they start sending 100,000 people to your neighborhood? There's trouble afoot. That's the bad news. Say bad news. Here's the good news. God is still on the throne. And he can rescue us. And he's available, hear me good, to the thankful. Say thankful. Let's get into this text. We're going to get out here early today. Psalm 50, verse 14 says this. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God come. Always pause on the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. Don't try to read a bunch of it real fast. Take it one phrase at a time. The punctuation will help you determine where the phrases are. That's cause for pause, that comma. Stop and think about it. Reread it. Listen to what God is saying. See if there's a promise in there. See if there's a command in there. See if there's something that makes you question it that you can study more about. He said, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Now, I want to show you, you don't have to have a degree in theology and you don't have to speak Hebrew and Greek to understand the Bible. Let me show you how smart Christians can be. In this first phrase, God tells us that our sacrifice to God should be what? Look how smart y'all are. There's a lack of thankfulness. If you really want to take a look around, it's not just your children. How many, how many parents know? Kids ain't always thankful. How, how many of y'all know? Your kids ain't thankful for every sacrifice you made. Kids looking parents in the face. You don't love me. You don't care about me. Listen. <laughs> parents love kids beyond reality. What we do for our children is not even realistic. What we're willing to accept from our children is not even conscionable. We, we love them beyond their lovability. Somebody ought to say amen. We are not naturally a thankful people. If you don't believe me, go, go serve in a soup kitchen. If you don't believe me, go pick up trash in your neighborhood and watch somebody ride by. I've been there, had it done to me, and watch them throw a bag of McDonald's out at you while you're picking up the trash that's already there. People are not naturally thankful. So listen to me good. Thankfulness takes effort. Thankfulness takes effort. If you're going to be who God wants you to be, being thankful is part of it because that's what God wants our sacrifice to be. The Bible talks a lot about us giving sacrifices to God, us offering praise to God. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible tells us that one way that we praise him is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name continually. We should be telling God thank you all the time. I've been asking y'all for years. We, we, I, I, I'm not going to pay one, uh, but we need Sister Ellie May to come. No, it wasn't Ella. It's True Ella. We need True Ella to come. We, we had a girl in, in our church when we were on Seaboard Avenue. Not, not, I wasn't passionate. Bishop's first uh, church on Seaboard Avenue, and True Ella would just get, she would just get caught up. Thank you! Thank you! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you! And people would look at her, and, but then guess what? People realized it was all right 
to say thank you, Jesus. And people st- listen, we need to catch a thank you, Jesus spirit. I've been telling y'all for years, the devil wants, wants the, the, the catchphrase, a catchphrase something you say without even knowing it. A lot of public speakers say, um, and, uh, and, uh, um, and, uh, uh, when they don't know what to say next. Or when they're stumbling for a word, they'll just throw a catchphrase out there. Y'all ain't helping me today. I wish I had five. They just say stuff randomly. I, I used to watch some of these preachers on TV preaching to 10,000 people. I wish I had five people that wanted to save me. 15,000 people standing on their feet screaming. He's talking about I wish I had five people. It's just stuff people say mindlessly without thinking about it. And one of the things that this generation says constantly out of their mouth, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You need to stop saying, oh, my God, in such a negative context, and you need to replace that catchphrase with thank you, Jesus, and let thank you, Jesus, come out of the mouth of God's people. If you began to say thank you, Jesus, 25 times a day, your whole world would change, your outlook would get different, and you'd be more heavenly minded, and you wouldn't be so caught up in all this trouble. Somebody ought to say amen. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Does that, I've told y'all in Bible study on Wednesday night, my favorite time, Wednesday night Bible study. We learn so much on Wednesday night Bible study. But I talk about how to understand the scripture. And we, we look for commands. We look for questions. We look for different things as we read the Bible. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Does that sound like a question? Does that sound like an option? Does that sound like a command? I don't know what kind of house you were raised in, and that's one of the problems we're going through right now as a country. When that liar Dr. Spock came out in the 60s and said, don't spank your children, they'll grow up to be, grow up to be serial killers. He stood against everything the Bible says. Read the Bible. What's the Bible say? If you beat him with a rod, he shall not die. My mom wasn't even a Christian. She took that literally. And I surely did not die. Let these children get all disrespectful. Now what do we have? A bunch of disrespectful adults. No manners left in this country. People walking around disrespecting authority. No fear of authority. Who was I talking to? Was it you? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if y'all have seen any of these videos out there about these nut jobs that talk back to police. But I'm for police brutality in that occasion every time. Roll your window down. No, I'm not going to roll my window down. Uh, what, 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 what's your name? I don't answer questions. I'm thinking, man, crash that window with a stick and shoot him. Just, just cussing cops out. Uh, nobody in my generation would have cussed a cop out. We wasn't stupid. We knew they had the badge and the gun, and if that didn't work, they had the radio and ten buddies on their way. People today, I don't answer questions. Are, are you abiding by your oath? You, you serve me. I pay. It's all this foolishness people say, and it all is rooted in rebellion. It's all rooted in the devil twisting the hearts and the minds of young people. It's all rooted in a lack of being thankful for the things that we have. 
Oh, I wish you could take inventory. I wish you'd take a journal with you and just mark down. Just You know how we used to do it. One, two, three, four. How do we make five? Zip. Six, seven, eight, nine. How do we make ten? Zip. You just go and start columnizing, and you just start tracking what, what every negative thing that comes out of your mouth, every complaint that comes out of your mouth, and put another column up there with every thankful word that comes out of your mouth. I've been telling y'all for years, the more, the more you thank God for, the more you'll give him to thank you for. The more you brag on God, the more he'll give you to brag on him about. But we're just too full up, too full up. Decades of bad parenting, decades of bad politics, decades of wrong information, parents trying to be friends with their children. Hey, the Bible says a child left unto themselves will bring their mother and father to shame. God put parents on this earth to guide children. Well, I don't like, I don't want to break their spirit. Oh, you're going to leave that up to the judicial system. Be thankful. One holiday a year, one day a year, we have Thanksgiving. And it ranks wildly behind the holiday just before Thanksgiving, which is what? Oh, way more money spent on Halloween than Thanksgiving. Way more people get involved in Halloween stuff than get involved in giving thanks unto God. We, we've taken that holiday of giving thanks unto God, and we've replaced it with food, family, and football. I ain't mad at food, family, and football, but how many of y'all know we as God's children ought to tell our Heavenly Father, thank you. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to get out of your way. When you get up in the morning, start by saying thank you to God. Thank you for opening my eyes today. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for this new day. How many of y'all know we have messed up enough days in our life, we ought to thank God for a day and have a good day for a change? Thank God when you get up. And before you go to sleep, you ought to tell God, thank you, God. Thank you, God, I didn't get shot today. Thank you, God, nobody in my family died today. Thank you, God, nobody knew got cancer today. Thank you, God, I'm still breathing today. Ah, that's just so simple-minded, Pastor. Listen, that's what's wrong with the world. Everybody's trying to be too smart, trying to, trying to be too in their head, when what we ought to be is thankful. He said, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Well, I, I help poor people on the street. Uh, well, that's okay. But are you making your sacrifice to God thankfulness? Well, I do what I can. Well, how thankful are you? This is the word of the Lord. This is not the opinion of a human being. So he said, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and. What's and mean, church? It means there's more. <laughs> man, how many of y'all know there's a lot of and in the Bible? There's a lot of stuff, man. We better start doing some of it because there's no lack of stuff to do in the Bible. He said, and. So after you, you, after you make thankfulness your sacrifice to God, that's not the end. And keep the vows you made to the Most High. Mm. I told y'all, Christian ain't the only ones that pray. I prayed a lot as a lost person. Uh, my, my sister turned me into an alcoholic at a young age. 
Ain't that right? You want me to tell them, huh? You, you want me to tell them how old you were when you started drinking? Twelve years old. We're carrying around gallons of moonshine in the trunk, drinking hot alcohol out of the trunk of our car at Ed White High. Skipping class to walk out to the car to drink hot Everclear. They didn't put warnings on it back then. You buy Everclear now, which is whole grain alcohol. It says on the bottle, not to be consumed straight. You got to mix that with something that'll tear you up. But, hey, say people ain't the only ones that pray. Man, I, in all those years of drinking, I, I did lots of praying in my drinking days. Because if you've never been a flat-out drunk, I'm talking about pass-out face down. Uh, just people have to pick you up and carry you out drunk. You, if you've never been a real drunk, you'll know you just drink a little bit. Uh, but if you've ever been a real drunk, you know about that room spinning. Well, I prayed for so long. Please, God. Because after you give it all up to the toilet and them dry heaves kick in, you say anything to make that stop. But the, I, I made all kinds of promises to God. If, if you let these dry heaves stop, I, I'll go to, now I didn't go to church. But lost people don't have to keep their promises to God. Because God don't even hear their prayers. He hears them because he hears everything. But how many of y'all know, you might, you might hear me, but you ain't hearing me. He said, if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord won't even hear you when you pray. Lost people, they ain't got no main line to God. Christians got the main line, hotline to God. We pick up the phone anytime we want to and talk to the one true God. And he expects us to keep the vows that we made. Oh, how many of y'all? ever made a promise to God, I'm going to start being more faithful, God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray like I should, God. I'm going to start reading my Bible like I know I ought to. I'm, I'm going to give up on what I'm supposed to give up on. I'm going to start doing what I'm... How many of y'all know there's been vows made to God that haven't been kept? People out there saying, well, I don't believe that the God of the Bible would do all that punishing. Well, you ain't read the Bible. God said, I give you a choice to obey me and be blessed or to disobey me and be cursed. And God said, keep the vows you made to the most high. We live in such a throwaway society today. People throwing away family members. People throwing away marriages. People throwing away children. People acting like they don't have any responsibility to their parents. God said, keep the vows that you made. Every real Christian in this room has made a promise at some time to God that you were going all in for Christ. Guess what God's saying? You made a vow. And you need to keep it. Because God's not somebody to play with. Somebody ought to say amen. Let me, let, me, let me get back on thankfulness real quick. I just want to read you these verses before we go. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So many people have come to me over the last 40-plus years of teaching this book and said, Pastor Scott, I just want to know what God's will for my life is. I always go right there, boom. 
Oh, they want to know what college to go to. They want to know what person to marry. They want to know what job to take. They want to know what's going to happen 15 years down the road. God is not interested in showing any of us what's going to happen down the road. God is a right now God. God said, uh, give, give us this day our daily bread. Strength for this day. Faith life is a now life. And here's what God said his will for you is that in everything you do what? Give thanks. The Bible says give thanks for the good and the bad. You're going through hardship, give God thanks. The, the, the Bible says the trying of your faith brings patience. Patience brings endurance. And all God's promises are to those who endure. So the Bible says every tribulation is an opportunity for you to grow. We ought to give God thanks in everything. Somebody say everything. Give God thanks in everything. Sit, hey, I'm telling you, it's, it, I know it's not just Blanding and 103rd, but especially Blanding and 103rd. If you're sitting at a red light and it turns green and the person in front of you goes, you ought to give God thanks for that. Hey, people on 103rd sleep, they'd be sleeping at the red light. And if I thought the city council would listen to, to one country boy on the west side of Jacksonville, I'd let them know, tear down this four-way stop sign at Melvin and Firestone. People in America ain't smart enough to work a four-way stop sign. How many of y'all, you say, I don't know how many of y'all get, get, get it like I get it. I get there, I, I, I see a car coming up close to like me, I wait way back. Because I know if we stop at the same time, uh, but he stopped before me, he ain't, so I wait way back, and I boom on my brake to make my whole car shake so they'll know, I, now I've stopped, you've been stopped. And they, they just start flashing lights at me. I'm like, go ahead and go. And they flash their lights at me again. I'm like, it, it, it's your turn. Go ahead and go. And we just sit there back and forth. And Americans are not smart enough for the metric system. That's why we're the only people in the world that don't use it. And Americans ain't smart enough for a four-way stop sign. So I'll make this vow today. From now on, every time I come to that four-way stop sign, whether, whether they, they try me or they don't try me, whether they're right, wrong, or indifferent, or nobody's there, every time I come through that stop sign, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. That one person didn't just sit there looking at me, waving me on after they were the first one to stop. But in everything, do what? Give thanks. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's always something you can be thankful for, even your old ugly dog. Even if he's snaggletooth and blind. Thank God for his one good tooth. Amen. You find something to thank God for. If you, want, if you really want to be who God wants you to be, you need to do what God told you to do. I told you before, there's so much about this Bible I don't understand. His ways are higher than our ways. Many of his ways are past finding out. None of us are ever going to know everything we need to know about God because he's too, he's too big for our brain to conceive everything. But I know what a father wants because I've been a father. I am a father. And I've told y'all this is what me and every man. See, you women, stop reading men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Stop reading understanding your, your other. Man, man, you can't understand her. 
she can't understand you. And you can't stop being what you are to identify something else. You, you, you are what you are. Let me, let, me, let me say it really how I feel. You is what you is. And I can tell you as a man what a father wants. Total obedience with no drama. My kids complete, could complete that for me. If I say first time, what are my kids going to say, Dina? Every time I repeat myself to children, why does God have to repeat himself to us so much? So much. So he told us to give him thanks. He keeps having to tell us and tell us and tell us and tell us and tell us. Why? Because we're like immature children that don't listen. He said, give thanks for all things. That's the good, bad, and the ugly. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's hard to give thanks when, when somebody that you love dies. But if you realize my life is hidden in Christ because of what Jesus has done for me and the faith God gave me to believe in him, I can be thankful for that. You need to learn how to find ways to be thankful even for the hardship. Ecclesiastes 5.4. Put, 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 put verse 14 back on the screen for me. Psalm 50.14. I want you to see this last half. And keep the vows you made to the Most High. Do you believe God's serious about that? God is for real serious about that. He wants us to keep the vows that we made to him. Now give me Ecclesiastes 5.4. In Ecclesiastes 5.4, the Bible says, When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. For God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. Let's break it down. Taking the Bible in bite-sized pieces so we can digest it. When you make a promise to God, now, why would God, talking to his people, say that phrase, when you make a promise to God? Because we do. We make promises to God all the time. God, if you bail me out of this jam, I'm going to do better. God, if you let me get this, this promotion, I'm, I'm going to do better. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through. Same question, because you've got to work your way through the Bible. You've got to study to show yourself approved. Don't delay in Why would God tell his children, don't delay in following through? Because we do. Should we? Do you? Mm, I don't want to talk about that. For God takes no pleasure in fools, period. There's punctuation. You've got to pause on the punctuation to perfect your understanding. God takes no pleasure in fools. Now, most Christians who've been studying the Bible for some length of time will, tell, will, will know the answer to the, the, the uh, phrase that's said multiple times in the Bible that the, the fool has said in his heart what? There is no God. Okay, so in God's mind, a fool is somebody who does not see him as God. But here, God is referencing somebody who makes a promise to him that doesn't follow through with it as foolish. You know what you're saying when you make a promise to God and you don't follow through with it? You don't really believe he's God. You don't believe he means what he means, and he says what he means, and he means what he says. Listen, if you make a promise to your parole officer, I bet you follow through with it. You make a promise to the IRS to get you out of your back debt, I bet you follow through with it. Because we think those people can punish us. We make promises to God, and we let them slide. Well, he's gracious. He's also full of justice. And he takes no pleasure in people 
trampling on who he is. And then he says this, and you don't have to have a degree in Hebrew or Greek to understand this. Keep all the promises you make to him. I told you a minute ago, every Christian in this room has made promises to God that we haven't kept. God said it's better not to make a promise to him than to make it and break it. I want to tell you something. We're getting ready to go into our 21 days of fasting in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to make some new promises to God, and we're going to repent for the promises where we've broken. But you don't have to wait until we go into a 20-day, 21-day period of corporate prayer and fasting. The promises that we've made to God, we need to start paying them. Amen? He said, keep all the promises you make to him. Last verse in our original text, Psalm 50, 15 says, then call on me when you're in trouble, comma, pause on that. Then call on me when you are in trouble. When's then, church? After you've been thankful, after you kept your vows, then you can call on him when you're in trouble. Theologians, pastors, not all pastors are theologians, not all theologians are pastors, but, but some of those people like to talk about the way we view prayer as spare tire praying. Most people in this room today that drove here in a car did not pull out the spare tire and, and check to see how much air was in it today. Most people, when they wash their car, don't wash their spare tire. They just assume it's there in case of, yeah. When they run into an emergency, when they get in trouble, they want to pull out the spare tire. Well, you better look and make sure there's one there. <laughs> you better look and make sure you know how to change it. You know how many people there are right now in their 20s that don't know how to change a tire? Mm. <laughs> Listen, then, then is after you've been thankful for everything in every circumstance, after you've given God thanks for the good, bad, and ugly, after you've kept your promises to God, that's who God is available to for help. Call on me when you're in trouble. Some of y'all used to have some, some road dogs. Some of y'all used to have some partners. Some of y'all used to have an ace. Some of y'all used to have that one that was that one. You know who I'm talking about? And you knew you could call on them when it got heated. Man, it got heated one night at Orange Park Mall. I was up there watching a midnight movie on the weekend. I don't go up there anymore. There's real trouble to be had there on Friday night at 1 o'clock in the morning in a movie theater. I had to call a couple of mine. But they, hey, y'all need to get up here. This thing's about to pop off. And, and, they, and, and they, they showed up. But how many of y'all know when that one you've got stops being that one and you try to call them, are they coming? No, they're not coming. Just because y'all used to be what, y'all and y'all ain't what now, you can't call them in your day of trouble. But everybody who claims the name of Christ, whether they read their Bible or not, whether they live right, give right, pray right, do right, act right, serve right, worship right, they just, they just say with their mouth, I'm a Christian. They think they got access to God. I told you, God is available to those who are thankful. He said that after you do that, then you can call on me when you're in trouble. Some of y'all call on God when you get in trouble and you wonder why he don't show up. You didn't do verse 14. America has become delusional and illiterate about God's word. We got all these people walking around wearing T-shirts to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's like America adopted that verse as that verse. 
God inspired the apostle Paul to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because Paul was being thankful. He was paying his vows, and he knew that God was being his strength. You got people wearing these, uh, my God shall supply. Well, I know God's going to come through for me. Finance is tight right now, but the Bible says, my God shall supply all my need according to. God didn't say that to everybody. God said that to a small group of Christians in Philippi because they gave Paul support out of their necessity. They never stopped giving. So he told them, I know God's going to come through for you. We become delusional in America thinking we can treat God anyway all week long and then call on him when we get in a jam. Listen, you're probably not still friends with, with, with your third grade best buddy. And if you, if you got in jail and needed five grand to bail you out, your third grade buddy would tell you, I don't know you. You got to call somebody you're close to. That's why God said, then call on me. And he says, and I'll do something. And this is what I want you to understand. Here's the good news. If you'll do what verse 14 says to do, you can have what verse 15 says you can have. Just like you can do all things through Christ if you live the way God tells you to live. Just like God will supply all your need if you give the way the Bible tells you to give. But if you're not doing what God told you to do, you're not going to get what God told you you can have. But if you want what verse 15 promises rescue you in your day of trouble, then you got to do what verse 14 says. Come on, Victor. Over and over and over, the Bible, and I'm not even going to read all these verses. Over and over and over, the Bible says, I called on the Lord in my distress, and he heard my prayer, and he rescued me. I called on God in my day of trouble, and he delivered me. People calling on God and wondering why life's a mess. My, my schedule stays has stayed cluttered up for decades with people that want to ask me, Pastor, I just don't understand it. Don't understand what? I just don't know why things aren't working out for me. Well, you, you think just because you claim Jesus that you got a genie in a bottle that you can just rub the lamp and poof, everything goes good for you? He said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, we should stop right there. Forget about turn from your wicked ways. God's an if and then God. If you do this, then God will do that. If you do verse 14, God will do verse 15. If you will live a life of constantly saying thank you to God, no matter what your circumstance looks like, giving thanks to God continually, the Bible if you pay your vows, if you do what you told God you will do, people have been promising God, God, if you just do this one thing for me, I promise I'll do X, Y, and Z. You got the whole system backed up. Do X, Y, and Z, and then God will come through like a flood. People walking around saying, I know God's about to rain down righteousness. Well, who's it going to start with? The Bible says judgment must first begin in the house of the Lord. I want you to have access to the one true God who can help you. Well, I'm a Christian. I know God's going to help me. Not if you're not paying your vows. Not if you're not doing the things you promised you'd do. 
people sitting back waiting. When's God going to come through for me? God already came through for us on Calvary. When are we going to come through for God? When are we going to do what we said we were going to do? One day, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. And God said, then, then is after you do verse 14. You can call on me when you're in trouble. The peace that comes from that, from knowing that you've got a hotline to the creator of the entire universe. The peace that comes from knowing, like the old hymn writer said, what air be tied. The peace that comes from knowing what the hymn writer said, even so, it is well with my soul. In the midst of anything, knowing you've got a direct connection to God who rescues his people when they are in trouble. The reason why most people don't go to God consistently when they're in trouble is because they feel so guilty because they haven't kept their promises to God. They didn't do verse 14 so they don't feel like they can access verse 15. And to that I say, you're right. So what do we do? We start being thankful for everything at all times. Out of your mouth, just condition yourself. Out of your mouth. Everybody's got catchphrases. My, my kids can be in the car and know who I'm talking to just based on the, the phrases I say. Out of my mouth. My mom used to get on the phone, and, and my, me and my mom, we very deep southern accent. But when she would get on the phone with one of her sisters, woo! It was chitlins and cornbread coming through the phone at that point. <laughs> Everybody's got certain phrases that they just come out of their mouth all day long. Too many people walk around saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. Start saying, thank you, Jesus. Start saying, thank you, Jesus. Condition your mouth to say it when you get in your car, when you wake up, when you go to bed, all throughout the day. Start giving thanks to God. There's promises attached to people who give thanks to God. Start doing what you told God you would do in a nation where church attendance is shrinking all across the nation, in a nation where less than 2% of people pay the tithe. And everybody promised, God, if you save me, I'll give my whole life to you. He said, it's only then, it's only after you do what you promised you'd do that he'll come through. Man, I'm, I'm I'm so much more excited when I know I'm in a good place with God. Listen. I'm not advocating for Reverend Ike, but sometimes I feel like Reverend Ike. Y'all don't remember Reverend Ike. Reverend Ike, not the con artist part of him, but Reverend Ike used to say, I can't lose with what I use. And listen, when you're right with God, when you're being thankful and you're keeping your vows, you got God on the main line. He didn't say, and I might rescue you. He didn't say, I'll think about rescuing you. He said, when you're in trouble, call on me, and I will rescue you. People make all these cliches, can't nobody do me like Jesus. That's true. But we got to get on the good foot with the Lord. 
we got to get back to the basics of real Christianity. we got to get back to reading His Word, praying, loving Him, treating God and people the right way, and saying thank you to Him. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name continually. Then He's going to rescue you out of your trouble. And you will give Him glory. The heartbeat of every true Christian is, I just want my life to give God glory. I just want my life to honor my Father. I want my Father to look good. Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount that people will see our good works and glorify our Father. What are people seeing in you that causes them to give glory to God for the way you're living? He's an if and then God. Let's do the if. And he'll do the then. That point that we can give him glory. And that's what Christians want more than anything. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person here today. And God, I pray that you would help us to be more thankful. We believe and we confess that we agree that every good and every perfect gift comes from you. We believe that you're in control of all things. And we believe that you do all things well. Even the things we don't understand, God, we give you thanks for Thank you for being in charge of everything that happens. I pray that you would help us to be more thankful. Come to our rescue. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.com. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.